We'd like to warn our listeners that this episode deals with topics of abuse, addiction, and death. Hello and welcome to your spiritual awakening. We're here to teach you the word of Godney and all about the legendary Miss Britney Spears. You're listening to episode 5, The Queen of Pop and England. Alright, so we are back again. I was sick last week, so apologies for that. (laughs) Before we get into our time machine, we need to talk about a very special announcement of an announcement. Miss Brittany is engaged. Woo! Thoughts? Feelings? I'm so happy for her that she can finally get married. Me too. To this man. Um... I'm annoyed that people keep talking about a prenup. I've read, first of all, that those don't even really hold up. I could be wrong. I just saw that on Instagram. So I saw that too, yep. Who knows? And also, I think we're infantilizing her with these comments. We're essentially doing to her what we're accusing her father of doing, controlling her, treating her like she's dumb, not giving her the benefit of the doubt, and acting like she's a freaking baby, not a 40-year-old woman. I'm sure if there was dirt on him, Jamie would have tried to get it out there already. Am I right? And I doubt he's on Jamie's team because he's publicly denounced him and called him an asshole. Not to mention the fact he's been with Britney for years through tons of bullshit. Remember, Britney does not have access to her money. So can we really say that he's with her for solely the money? Definitely not. We're just trying to be positive here and let's let Brittany live her life. That is what this is all about. So just, Mm -hmm. if you're going to comment something like that, just keep it to yourself. (laughs) All right, so let's get into episode five. The question of the week. Your favorite video from the Oops album. We have Lucky, Oops, Stronger, and Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know, which is a... um. A bit of a rare, rarely known, rarely talked about video, perhaps for a reason. Yep. Not one of her more interesting videos, I will say that. She looks beautiful. Um, I don't love it. Lucky is a very dramatic story with tons of Britneys, so that's great. Oops is, of course, iconic with amazing choreography and the red suit. And then Stronger, which there's a chair involved. And she looks amazing as always. So, what is your favorite? Well, my favorite is Oops. Just, I think it's the best one. Even though that's the most cliche answer. I do think it's the best one. Well, I mean, it's the most popular for a reason. Yep. I personally like Lucky the best. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Because it's very cute. I think her... The Hollywood Britney is gorgeous and glamorous. Um, I love the fantasy. And I love the jeans under the dress fairy godmother thing. So what can I say? Yeah, I like Stronger too, just because it's really weird. It is kind of strange. It's very like futuristic. Yeah. And I mean, the way that she pushes those doors... 
you guys need to watch these videos to know what we're talking about and DM us or comment on our Instagram what your favorite video is because we do want to know. Believe it or not, we want to know. All right, so through the storm, we are not going to be talking about Lynn's memoir at all today because Lynn barely talks about this era in Britney's life. She basically cut straight to when Brittany met Kevin, so we won't be coming back to this book for a few episodes. Instead, we're going to focus on Steve Dennis's Inside the Dream and, of course, other um, shorter, smaller sources like newspaper articles, magazines, videos, interviews, etc. So, to begin... I am going to talk about Wade Robson. Some of you may know Wade Robson due to his affiliations with Michael Jackson, which we will get into. And some of you, or I should say all of you, should know his work from Britney's Slave for You choreography. Britney spent eight hours a day for four months at the Millennium Dance Complex preparing for her first headline tour in the year 2000. Her former choreographer, not Wade, points out that she rehearses to the point where she could do it in her sleep. So she's putting in a lot of work. And we previously mentioned that the Australian choreographer, Wade, became part of her team early on. So Wade actually has a very interesting and tragic story himself. At five years old, he won first place in a Michael Jackson dance contest. His prize was to dance on stage with Michael, who was so impressed that he sponsored Wade to move to Los Angeles at six years old. Though the relationship was at first seen as a mentor and protege situation, it was heavily scrutinized when Michael was accused of child molestation. Wade testified at the trial that he shared a bed with Michael at Neverland, which is Michael's strange mansion. I don't really know what to call it, but if you look up pictures... His estate? Yes, his estate. You'll get a better idea of why I call it strange. But Wade insisted that they slept on opposite sides of the bed. So, like a platonic sleepover. Michael was accused twice back then... The first time they reached a settlement, the second time he was acquitted. Now flash forward to 2019. As many of you know, the documentary the documentary Leaving Neverland is released. I've never seen that. Yeah, me neither. Um so I'm not going to speak much on this because I haven't watched it. I am not aware of many of the facts except for more of the straightforward ones or uh, the headliners. The film focuses on Wade and another man's accusations of abuse against Michael. In an article published by The Guardian, Wade confesses that, quote, Michael Jackson was one of the kindest, most loving people I knew. He helped me tremendously with my career and my creativity. He also sexually abused me for seven years, end quote. Wade and James Safechuck, the other accuser, describe in detail the horrible abuse that they were allegedly subjected to throughout their childhood and teenage years. Now, I think it's important, of course, to give this context and share Wade's story. The reason I say alleged 
is because Michael has never been found guilty of these crimes. And I don't want to get in trouble legally if it ever comes to that. I doubt it will because we are unimportant and unknown, but perhaps one day. I mean, of course, I believe victims and that is always my stance. And I'll leave it at that because we're not here to analyze this case. We're here to talk about Brittany, but still, I believe that the whole story needs to be told, even those of the more minor characters like Wade, who actually significantly shaped Brittany's career. So, Wade was a freaking dance prodigy. I mean, he became a dance teacher at Millennium at the age of 10. The age of 10! The director of Millennium, Robert Baker, credits Wade for taking Britney to another level, and I think I agree. He also reminds us that we need to, quote, understand the stamina required to sustain eight-hour days of rehearsing. It requires sustainable energy and discipline that is beyond most people's comprehension, but it was Britney's joy, end quote. So, Corinna is a dancer. Could you do eight-hour rehearsals for four months? Every day. Um, Absolutely not. I don't even think... I might have done, like, a full day a few times, and it was really, really hard. Right. So that is just crazy. Like, that's... That's insane. Like, her stamina must be off the charts. Of her dancing, Baker tells Dennis, quote, She literally transcends the choreography. The only other person I've ever seen manage that was Michael Jackson. When people doubt her talent, I'm like, you must be blind or crazy, end quote. I agree. I like this dude. He's one of the only people that I have liked so far in this journey. Yeah, not like her other choreographer who said she sucked, basically. That was her teacher. Oh, her Her, teacher. Her choreographers and people involved in her dancing seem to really like her. I think maybe that's where she, oh, well, of course, that's where she really shines, but they get to see truly her passion and her intelligence in a different way mm-hmm. than a teacher would. Yeah. She, of course, auditioned dancers who earned 3000 a week back in 2000. So that's actually a lot of money. I did the Damn. the math, and if it's every week, it's around 150 grand back in 2000 in American dollars. Yeah. Not a bad gig. Plus, you get to dance with Britney. I mean... I would do it for free. I would pay. (laughs) I would, too. (laughs) Her favorite dancer, and basically every Britney fan's favorite dancer, was Trey James Espinoza, a.k.a. TJ. TJ was actually in those mall tour videos we posted on our Insta, so he's truly an OG. He even had the nickname TJ Spears. They were that close. So Dennis mentions here that her management, despite Britney's pleas, fired TJ, who then had to go work at Saddle Ranch. And I think that's the bar where all the TikTokers go nowadays. I've seen some tweets mentioning it. I don't know. Small world. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Now, I have no idea if TJ actually came back and danced for her again. I couldn't find out anywhere. Um, And it's hard to tell in videos because they're so grainy. But I do know for a fact that they reconnected because there are pictures of them in 2006. Why'd he get fired? I think they just didn't like his vibe. (laughs) 
Okay. I don't know, because the thing is, he's actually a very good dancer. Mm, it's weird. Like, if you watch her videos with him in it, or her performances, he has a lot of energy, a lot of charisma, uniqueness. Nerve. Nerve. Talent. Talent. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So... <laughs> Not sure. Not sure. Strange moves. Mm -hmm. So let's just remember that Lynn has now quit her job teaching and is back to living and traveling around with Brittany. All right. So segueing into the beginning of the Oops era. Released in May 2000, Oops became the fastest selling album in the States, selling 1.3 million copies in its first week. The album itself, in my opinion, is a bit more grown up than her debut, but it's still very much bubblegum pop, this time with a bit of an edge. In Stronger, for example, she tells us that, quote, my loneliness ain't killing me no more, end quote. So she's grown up from baby one more time, she's independent, she can handle herself. There's also tons of deeper cuts that I love, like Don't Go Knocking on My Door and Can't Make You Love Me. Overall, it's not her strongest project. There are a lot of boring songs that are neither fun that are neither fun to sing along to nor interesting to listen to. However, let's talk about Lucky. Lucky was the second single off the album and it opens with Britney singing or more saying, quote, "This is a story about a girl named Lucky." End quote. The lyrics talk about a girl who is living the dream in Hollywood. Quote, she's so lucky, she's a star, but she cry, cry, cries in her lonely heart, thinking, if there's nothing missing in my life, then why do these tears come at night? End quote. God, that is so hard to <laughs> say and not sing. Speak it like, like slam poetry. <laughs> So the second verse goes, quote, lost in an image, in a dream, but there's no one there to wake her up. And the world is spinning and she keeps on winning. But tell me, what happens when it stops? End quote. I feel like I sound like an idiot. <laughs> Sounds like you're reading a really weird poem. <laughs> well, I mean, it definitely has some pretty intense lyrics maybe not at face value but when you think about what her life has been like mtv does these making the video or sorry they used to do these making the video segments where they would document the artist making the video and in the interview for the lucky making the video britney says quote i hate it when celebrities talk about how depressing their lives are I wouldn't change my life for anything. I'm so happy with what I'm doing, but I'm human. And just like everybody else out there, I have depressing moments, end quote. So, Lucky, I want to point out, was not written by Britney. But one has to wonder, is the song about her? Knowing what we know, what Steve Dennis uncovers in Inside the Dream, is Lucky about Britney? Or is it just a common trope that the songwriters utilized because well britney was you know the definition of pop star blueprint i mean it could be about britney right like she kind of has 
a sad personal life behind the scenes. But yeah, it could also be about, I feel like every, every celebrity is kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely seems like I, I wouldn't have known that she didn't write it unless you said, I just assumed she wrote it about herself. No. Because it seemed to like fit, you know? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. And I mean, I feel like it's very prophetic and people want to believe that at the time this song was written specifically about Britney. But the thing is, I don't know. I don't know how known her struggles were back then if the songwriter specifically knew the things that she was going through. But at the same time, I do believe, as she said in the MTV Making the Video interview, I do believe that she connected to it strongly Mm -hmm. and that it spoke to her. And she sort of did end up taking it on as a song about her, even if it wasn't originally specifically about her. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But I find it very sad because of how she became lucky. Like, she is lucky. Yeah, and the name, the name Lucky is like, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just everybody. She's so lucky, and her name is Lucky, but she's not actually lucky. She's sad. Exactly. That's so sad. This is some hardcore analysis. (laughs) Earning that English major title. So after this album, she quickly shot into stardom. I know I keep saying that, but the Oops album, in my opinion, is where she really elevated herself. Um, The Britney brand earned tons of endorsements, including Pepsi, which is huge. Robert Baker, the choreographer, observes that both Lynn and Britney had no idea how to handle this. They were kind of just like going with the flow. He notes that, quote, She is such a heartfelt person and wants to love everyone. There's not a bad bone or ill thought in her body, end quote, which of course makes her extra vulnerable. And that's why I cry when I hear Lucky, because every account I've heard confirms that she is a super sweet soul. Of course, I've never met her. I don't know her. I never will. But people who have have constantly reaffirmed how kind she is and that's why it's what is happening to her is just extra sad in order to promote the album she hosted and was the musical guest for snl which made her the youngest guest to do both in snl history this was the episode where she made the joke about her boobs i kind of touched on that last episode i will post this on instagram it's a very fug it's a very funny segment All right, moving on to the Oops, I Did It Again tour. Although Britney seemed, quote, happy and content, she was struggling behind the scenes while touring. For example, she and Felicia were mobbed by fans. Of the experience, she wrote that, quote, you do have to sacrifice your freedom when you're in this business, end quote, in Heart to Heart. So it's interesting how she's really downplaying the things that are happening to her like it is not okay to be mobbed by fans and to be pushed up against a brick wall by like 50 people Mm -hmm. because you're a celebrity i mean that's just not okay i understand some things come with the territory but not that so in 
October 2000, the Europe leg of the tour began in London, which, of course, Brittany was super excited for because her grandma was British. British. British, mate. Okay. <laughs> so feel free to make fun of us, too. We're Canadian. So go ahead. Make your moose a- any <laughs> and uh, maple syrup jokes. A boot. Make your jokes a boot, maple syrup. <laughs> they stayed at the Royal Garden Hotel in, King- in Kensington and were supposed to go shopping one day because she loves shopping. I mean, who doesn't? Capitalism. Anyway, sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, and she had a really busy schedule. So this was her one day where she was going to go have fun, go sightseeing, shopping, and she was harassed by the British tabloid press endlessly. Now, I think this is interesting. Dennis writes that this this mob of paparazzi was, quote, a different beast to whatever she had previously faced in America, end quote. Let's keep that in mind when we get to 2007. Obviously, she couldn't go shopping. So she's beginning to not be able to do any normal things. Remember last episode, she talked about how she went to Cartier in like a bathrobe or something and house slippers and no one knew who she was. Right. There's no more of that. Aww. According to a source that Dennis says is exceptionally close to Brittany, and I have no idea who this is. I mean, if anyone has read the book, please tell me your thoughts because I'm trying to figure it out and I can't. So according to this source, she was extremely sad that she couldn't do normal things like shop. She would ask why me, and was apparently bewildered at the fact that everyone was so interested in her. She did not, and in my opinion, still does not understand her own stardom. I mean, could anyone, how do you confront that, how, that you'll never be normal again, right? It's probably really, really hard to accept. Especially if it happens so fast like that. Yeah. Like you were just like a small town girl. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like worldwide famous. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a sort of cute and funny story. Sort of. Keyword sort of. Brittany could have been the Queen of England. So a story began circulating that Brittany had a crush on William. That's Prince William. And that they exchanged emails and had even arranged to meet. Back in the day, he was a class A hottie. With the hair, oh, yeah. he was gorge, yeah. okay? I love this headline from back in the day. It reads, Queen of Pop and England. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? Imagine if Britney was the Queen of England. Oh my god. That's how it should have gone. That's how it should have gone. I mean, I hate the royal family, yeah. and I hate that institution, but like... That would just be iconic. Oh, absolutely. She would have changed it for the better. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine she becomes the Queen of England and then she does the Slave for You performance? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) The Queen would never do that. The current Queen. (laughs) She can't dance with a snake. So, despite the funny story, let's not forget that she is secretly dating Justin at this point. So the manufacturing, the Britney brand, it's really nonstop and it reaches all areas of her life. By the time she got to the UK in October, she was telling the media that she had, quote, never met him, William, or contacted him, end quote. Even Buckingham Palace released a statement 
that William, quote, had received no correspondence with Britney Spears at all, either by letter or email, end quote. Could you imagine? Like, they thought Princess Diana was bad. Imagine if Britney Spears was in the royal family. They would just go nuts. Or I think the whole institution would collapse. She would have subvert. She would have subverted the entire thing. Well, damn it. But then again, I also think it would have absolutely ruined her, like yeah. it did Diana. So. Yeah, that's true. So, but I mean, Jamie Spears took over. So, either way, Brittany, Lynn, and Felicia all traveled on a luxurious tour bus. Her dressing room at every stadium. Corinna, you're going to love this. It's very you. Was decorated with scented candles, drapery, fairy lights, and lots of greenery for a homey feel. Yeah. Every dressing room. So people would go in there and just put, like, tons of, you know, drapery around on the ceiling. Like, just very ethereal, homey, woodland fairy vibes. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. I wish someone would do that for my room. (laughs) (laughs) I love reading about riders, which are essentially lists of demands for venues that celebrities provide. So, Britney's rider consisted of the following. Fresh white tuna, baked chips, a mix of Altoids, that's mint, French vanilla coffee. Mm, I love French vanilla coffee. A vegetable platter, a bag of Doritos, two boxes of Pop-Tarts, and a framed portrait of Princess Diana. Oh my god, really? Really. In every dressing room, they needed to get a framed picture of Diana? Yes. Is that (laughs) That not... That is so cute. It's just amazing. Aww. So, just for some fun, I want to quickly touch on some of her peers' riders. Justin Timberlake requires that all doorknobs be disinfected every two hours. Christina Aguilera asks for soy cheese, Flintstones gummies, and a police escort. This is a bit ridiculous. For a talk show in Russia, Lindsay Lohan demanded a sit-down meeting with Vladimir Putin. (laughs) What? God, I just love those things. (laughs) Does anyone know if she got that meeting? I feel like we would have seen it. It would have been a headliner for sure. Why would she want to meet Vladimir Putin? She wanted to influence international politics. Oh my gosh. Well, that's cool. Or maybe she wanted to become Mrs. Putin. Putin, I don't know. She's, um, she's got a, an interesting mind. Yeah, for sure. Maybe she was playing a sort of long game. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> Who knows what she was up to. So Brittany's schedule during the tour, of course, became even more hectic. If you remember last episode, we talked about how she would have wall-to-wall interviews and performances. Well, now she has meet and greets, interviews, press junkets, and prepping for her concert all in one day. Then, after a concert, they leave at midnight, arrive at the new city at 4 a.m., and wake up the next morning and repeat. According to Dennis, the most difficult moments for Britney were the meet and greets due to her shy nature. A source, I think it's the exceptionally close source, says that, quote, she had to go be Little Miss Perfect regardless of her mood. These were the times when she felt like a robot. 
All she wanted to do was perform. She said it was nothing getting on stage in front of thousands, but she struggled with small groups. End quote. And, quote, she would sometimes be in tears after meet and greets and junkets because she was so frustrated, so tired, and there was no end in sight. Then she'd pull herself together, wave her hands to stop the tears, and say, I'm just being silly, I'm fine, I'm fine, end quote. So, as you can see, the eventual incident in 2007 was not surprising. Actually, I think it was the only logical conclusion given the circumstances. It would have shocked me if she had come out of this unscathed. And actually, to be frank, it shocks me today that she is alive. Maybe that sounds drastic, but the things she went through were already in 2000, 2001, and this is barely the beginning. In happier news, she also got to meet her childhood idols along the way this year. Madonna and Michael, of course, Janet Jackson, who is a huge influence on Britney, more so than Madonna, Olivia Newton-John, and Celine Dion. Shout out Canada. So, do we remember how the psychotherapist talked about Britney, like, dreaming up scenarios, playing pretend in her bathroom and performing and stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, ironically, now she's daydreaming about being normal. Aww. Right, so it switched. Her daydreams became true, and now she she wants to go back, right? Not necessarily wants to go back, but she's struggling with it. So, for example, she'd talk openly about owning a business um, with Felicia in Venice, California, like just opening a small little store like a normal person would, right? Mm -hmm. Of course she can't. She can't do that. In addition to the crazy concert schedule, she also had a daily grueling routine. So she'd wake up around noon after going to bed extremely late. If she didn't have to get up early for interviews and whatnot, she'd go to the gym for an hour three times a week. Even when she didn't go to the gym, and in addition to the gym, she would do 800 to 1,000 crunches every single day. Before her shows, she'd do another 800 to 1,000. Try this at home. No. It's tough. So, obviously, Brittany is super fit and athletic even today, but I also think this points to an unhealthy obsession with image as a result of societal pressure and then the added pressure of being overly overly scrutinized by a billion people. On top of that, even her managers are obsessing over her looks, right? I definitely think she was doing it in part to be to stay strong. But doing 800 crunches twice a day is that's not healthy. <laughs> is madness and it's not healthy. No. The source also claims that Brittany hated being by herself and needed her crew and dancers to accompany her. She would, quote, visit some bad, dark places, end quote, in her journal entries, but these moods, according to the source, wouldn't last very long. Honestly, I kind of feel like this is typical for a younger person. She was 19-ish, you know, especially someone going through so much change, right? And it's your journal. I mean... So they were reading her journal? Yes. That's, the the source is exceptionally close. Wow, so close that she let them read her journal. No one says she let them do it. Oh, right, that's true. Little sneaky rat. Yeah, not sure if we have a rat in our midst or if this is someone that Brittany entrusted and they are trying to get her story out there. 
unsure. I'd like to think it's the latter. I am inclined to believe it is the former. Yeah. One year after her infamous Rolling Stone debut, Chris Mundy of Rolling Stone interviewed her again. When she asked him what he thought of her, he replied that she seemed, quote, very lonely, end quote, and that although she wanted a normal life, normal life bored her. She confirmed. We have this duality, right? This struggle between wanting to be a normal teenager, wanting to do things, but also, like, she was born to be a star. And can you really hold that in? One has to wonder if she never became Britney Spears, the Britney that we know today, if she just stayed in uh, Kentwood and became a teacher, would she actually truly be happy without having an outlet for her art? Because it is art, and I hate when people say it's not. Go look at her performances. She is an artist through her dancing. You know, it's an interesting conversation. And I hope to hear her thoughts on it again one day soon, because this was all the way back in 2000. She also confessed in this interview that she experienced lots of anxiety. She chewed gum or even her nails. And even today, you can see that her manicure never really lasts long. The psychotherapist suggests that the burden to keep her parents happy has now transformed into a whole different beast. A burden to keep millions, even a billion people happy. Shout out, Born to Make You Happy. She was... That song kind of makes me feel weird. Like, Born to Make You Happy? Like, On the surface, <laughs> it's uh, it's like a cute bubblegum pop relationship song. And I think that's all it was meant to be. But when you look at it through the lens of Britney's conservatorship saga, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not so cute anymore. Yeah. Still love the song. Yes. Not gonna lie. One hour before showtime, Britney would listen to Madonna's Ray of Light, having fun with her stylist and assistants. She'd chew gum all the time, like I said, because of anxiety, but she would discard it right before she got on stage. So, again, that points to her being so anxious every time except for when she performs. Because she Mm. truly is, that is what she was meant to do. I mean, she said that a thousand times she just loves performing. She turns into a different person. So let's talk about the lip syncing. It was this tour that started the lip syncing, does she or doesn't she? Britney insisted that she was singing, and I believe that at times she totally was. However, she would signal whenever she needed the backing track because of her intense choreography. I mean, it would just leave her and anyone Mm -hmm. breathless, right? So it makes sense. And the thing is, Artists have been doing this for decades. Like, since the 70s, it has been super popular to lip sync. I hate to tell you this, Michael Jackson, Beyonce, both of them, lip syncers. Everyone lip syncs, or at least has backtrack. If you're going to do choreo, then there's no way you could sing live the whole time. Yeah, look at Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You performance. That girl's going to have to start using a backtrack soon. I didn't see that. Or using a backing track soon sorry i mean i really like her and i think she's a good performer um and well on her way to you know becoming a really fantastic artist but man it was rough it was rough and that's why britney did not dance and sing because even for trained 
vocalists who have an excellent voice like Olivia, it's difficult. I mean, of course it is. Mm -hmm. Try running around and then even talking. So. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even talk after I, like, go up a flight of stairs. And I don't care if she's lip syncing. I would love to watch her lip syncing and dancing around. I don't care. It's about the performance, and that doesn't necessarily have to include live vocals. Yeah, she's not just a singer. Like, she's not just a vocalist. She's a performer. Oh, absolutely. I'll post a video of Britney singing live on SNL on my Instagram, or on our Instagram, not my personal Instagram. God. (laughs) Which, by the way, required live performances at the time for all guest artists. So there was no lip syncing in this Oops performance. Now, people really, really began to hate Britney at this point, or at least really dislike her. In Teen Magazine, a reader wrote in that they were, quote, getting tired of seeing fake wannabe singers, aka Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, I don't know who that is, Britney Spears, etc. They are not bands. They don't write their own music or play instruments, end quote. (laughs) So, well, that's a hater, and it's kind of funny because it's super, like, edgy teen. Britney the brand, the manufactured pop star, is beginning to accumulate a vast amount of criticism for exactly what this hater is talking about, right? And in a way, they are correct. It's rude, but they're a bit correct. I mean, at this point, she didn't really write her own music and she didn't play instruments. That will change as she seems to become more in control of her own branding in the coming years. Now, one of these haters, I think we all know of him, his name is Eminem. Unpopular opinion. I cannot stand this man. No, no. Wasn't he, like, obsessed with Mariah Carey, too? Yep. And, like, stalked her? Yep. Yeah, he kind of sucks. Sorry. I 100% think that he is, or at least was, homophobic and a misogynist. Uh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) I don't care if his lyrics were for fun. It's a horrible message to perpetuate again and again. So he had this strange public disdain for Britney, In the same month that Oops was released, he released the LP Marshall Mathers. In the title track, he raps, and this is um, offensive, so my apologies, quote, Instincts to kill in sync. Don't get me started. These fucking brats can't sing, and Britney's garbage. What's this bitch? Retarded. Give me back my sixteen dollars. End quote. I don't know what the sixteen dollars is. I don't know. Dollars. Not like Eminem can freaking sing. The hell. Yeah, that's offensive. So, in an interview with VH1, he says that although his daughter is a fan of Britney's, she should have considered her status as a role model to little girls before, quote, dressing trashy at the VMAs, end quote. Quote, these little girls start looking up to her because she's like this cute little teeny bopper, and then all of a sudden, what happened, end quote. Okay, because Eminem, yeah, he's a super good influence on children. Oh, and don't come at me saying Britney's music was made for children. When she released Baby One More Time, she was a child. No shit, her music was made for children back then. With Oops, she was 18 to 19 years old. So yeah, she's a legal adult. Her themes are going to become more mature. It's not like she was talking about sex in any of her songs at that point. I mean, it's 
It's a logical progression. Because then we get more sexual innuendos in her self-titled, which is released in in 2001. And then more songs straight up about sex in, in the zone in 2003. At that point, she is a she's a woman. Why can't she sing about sex? At a certain point, it's up to the parent to monitor their children's media consumption. I mean, yeah, if Britney released Slave for You while she was in the Mickey Mouse Club, it would have been a totally different situation. Um, that wouldn't even be her fault anyway. Oh, absolutely not. But thankfully, that was not the case, right? She released cute music when she was a child and then when she became an adult she started releasing more mature music honestly i think eminem was a bit obsessed with britney as you said he has a history of being obsessed with women and then getting very angry when they reject him he's the worst i know people love him and say he's a genius and maybe he is but he reminds me of kanye in that way oh god and people say that about kanye too So let's talk about her relationship with God. She began reading the Conversations with God series, and she'd read the first book like over and over and over again. The author, Neil Donald Walsh, began the piece as an angry letter to God, which then sort of transformed into a dialogue between him and God. Um, Brittany also began to get into astrology, and she'd consult astrologers on her love life, uh, her direction, and her true self. The close source claims that she had no idea who she was. And honestly, as someone close in age to Britney at that time, I sometimes don't know who I am either. And a couple years ago, even less so. I think that's just part of growing up and, you know, maturing, becoming an adult. So as you can probably tell, she really began to question her Christian faith. But at this point, she still believes in the afterlife and spirits. And um, she would actually believe that many hotels and old buildings in Europe were haunted. I don't think that's Christianity, though. I think uh, no. that's, like, um, heathen behavior. But Definitely, because can't... I don't think you can have ghosts in Christianity because your soul goes to the afterlife, right? Yeah. So, Lynn was anyway. disappointed with that. We know that for a fact. She said that in Through the Storm. So in 2000, she performed at the VMAs in September, and that was a few months after the Oops tour began. I'm obsessed with this performance, and I think it's probably my favorite. Yes, I love it even more than the Slave for You performance. I mean, her raw energy here and the shock factor when she tears off the suit, the live vocals in the beginning. It's a fantastic performance. I encourage you to watch it. We will be posting a clip on our Instagram, but here's a description. I will do my best. She starts off dressed up in a suit, it's like sparkly, and a fedora a la Michael Jackson. She walks down these stairs singing a cover of I Can't Get No Satisfaction. When she gets to the line, when I'm watching my TV and that girl comes on and tells me how tight my skirt should be, she can't tell me who to be, she rips off her suit to reveal this sparkly nude bra top and flare pants. Apparently, since the TV quality was so low back then, people thought she was naked. (laughs) She then goes into this amazing rock version of Oops, and she's shaking it and killing it. It's not her best performance, technically speaking. I think that is probably Slave for you. But I think it was the beginning of Icon Britney. That was where Icon Britney was born. It really cemented her as more than the teeny bopper baby one more time girl. 
The same day of the VMA, she first publicly admitted to dating Justin. So it was a big day in Britney lore. Other than that, there's honestly not that much to say about their relationship during this era since she was on tour and stuff. We'll get to that in the next episode. Also, back to Eminem, when her and Christina Aguilera presented Whitney Houston at the awards, they sort of diss Eminem. It's pretty funny. And he also had beef with Christina, who he said even more vulgar shit about. It's insane. It's so disrespectful. So let's (laughs) wrap it up here. At this point, she has finished her tour in January 2001 and is taking a break before the release of her self-titled in October. So that's not really a break, but... (laughs) Yeah, maybe a two-month break or something. But anyway, so, thoughts, feelings, concerns? Eminem? I mean, yeah, his songs, some of his songs aren't good, I will admit, like, his rap or whatever. But he's a horrible person, so. Yeah, and he's just a symptom of the problem. I mean, we really got into it last episode, but it just got worse and worse, especially a celebrity, and artist is renowned as Eminem dissing her like that. Yeah. So it's not just the media, it's her peers, right? Yeah, it's not her responsibility to be a role model anyway. Like, she's an artist. She's not, like, the president. You know? Exactly. Well, she could have been the queen. But she could have been the queen. (sighs) Queen of pop. And England. I I heard about that too. I read that they were in touch or something. And I was like, oh my god. I mean, I don't think it's true. No, I don't. No, it's definitely not true. But I remember seeing that. Yeah, it's pretty... It could have been a pretty amazing timeline. The royal family would never have allowed that. Yeah. Never. But you know what? Kate Middleton was a huge party girl. Was she? Yeah. Huh. So maybe Britney would have become this, like, posh, but she, that's not who she is. Yeah. I mean, come on. She goes to the gas station bathroom barefoot. Like, Yeah. Yeah, they have so many rules in the royal family. Like, how like that's what dress. I'm saying. Could she have just, like, broken them? Because she is a worldwide fucking superstar. Like, could well, she have just been like, I'm not doing this? And she could have, me? but who knows what would have happened to her. But this is in the aftermath of Diana. Mm, that's true. But imagine the timeline. Oh my god! I need like a movie or something about <laughs> her becoming like this alternate timeline. You should write a book. You should write a novel like that. That'd be awesome. That would be. I don't know. Like, what would I make it have a happier, sad ending? I feel like I it would be a happy ending. Like she'd take over everything, subvert the institution, and just yes, she'd be like the most feminist, forward thinking queen ever. Yeah, institute a matriarchy. Yeah, <laughs> the British Empire, and she'd give all the wealth away. Yes, because she's so nice, and return all the stolen artifacts. Yes. Ugh. Ugh, one could dream. If only. (laughs) Seriously, if only. Okay, wait for the mysterious book that Sophie's gonna write. (laughs) Coming soon. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Instagram at Spiritual Awakening. That's S-P-E-A-R-I-T-U-A-L 
and check out our website at spiritualawakening.wixsite.com slash podcast for all of our sources, Brittany updates, and more. See you next time, and may the Holy Spirit guide you.